0: So hello and welcome viewers on Twitch to another MotoGP podcast, an episode of Last on the Breaks. I'm Fran Wilde and co-hosting with me as ever this season is Elliot York. and to all of our audio listeners, hello to you guys as well. As you guys will have seen from the episode description, our guest this week has uh, hit a very special milestone last weekend. Elliot, would you like to reveal who is joining us?
1: Yeah, great pleasure to speak to Jake Dixon this uh, this episode. He obviously, of course, the podium at Cota last weekend, much to the delight of us two and all the British racing fans. We've been waiting for it for a long time, haven't we? From Jake. Um, so yeah, it's great to speak to him today. Um, yeah, it's going to be a good one, I think.
0: It is, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll not do too much spamming in the meantime, we'll go straight into it. So uh, yes, if we can, welcome Jake to the show. I know he's waiting there, backstage, Stars In Your Eyes style. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> welcome to the show, sir. How are you feeling? How is it going? I'm
2: very well. Um, just got back from golf, so everything's great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> great. <laughs> My great, you're like, as... oh God. <laughs> As we discussed. (laughs) But now, how does it feel? Just simple first question, though. Has it sunk in yet? How do you feel now a few days later? Are you over the jet lag and has it kind of really, have you realised yet that you really got on that podium?
2: Yeah, obviously getting back. uh, For me, luckily I left on Sunday night, so I got the half six flight at night and I was able to be back in the UK early in the morning on Monday. So that was good. But, yeah, obviously, the jet lags is not fun, is it? But uh, first night, I well, I got back, and I can safely say I've never slept 12 hours in my life, solid. So <laughs> that was a great first night's sleep. Um, and to be fair, it hasn't been too bad. This morning, I was tired, but, yeah, back to the, the podium. Yeah, it was great. Um, obviously, super excited um, to, to get the first podium, and obviously it's a long time coming I've waited too long for it but uh if I'm truthfully honest now i come Monday Tuesday I was more focused on how can I be better in Porto Mayo and uh yeah I want to obviously win a race now and um yeah I think that's something that I've set my sights to and uh yeah I enjoyed it but now I'm fully onto what I want to do next
1: that's good to hear, Jake. You've already got more points, incidentally, than you did um, in 2021, which is pretty cool. We're only four races in and you've already bettered your tally from last year. What's I know you've spoken about this already um, a lot this year, but what's what's changed altogether? I know you've obviously moved back to Aspar when we spoke in Portsmouth, the test. You said it felt like moving back home. Um, how much has moving to Aspar and the guys there helped you make a big leap forward this year?
2: Yeah obviously first of all it's great to have more points than last year couldn't get any worse so <laughs> that's always a bonus but um yeah it's obviously it was super nice coming back to aspar uh, my team's slightly different i have one guy that's the same uh, my mechanics are different and my crew chiefs different but honestly everyone else in the team is is the same and uh it's a very family oriented oriented team that that i like and uh I think that helps me uh, a lot because feeling at home is obviously key to being fast on the bike. And uh, yeah, Aspar give me the confidence, and uh, they give me the the hug around or oh, the hug that I need when times are tough. So yeah, it's good.
0: <laughs> well, on that note, I remember seeing you after Indonesia, and you looked just a little bit heartbreaking i was like oh no <laughs> but you have finally got that podium now and you said you had that mental battle in your head in the press conference of what? like wanting to push and try and try and take it and then thinking no no no, no i need the podium let's get this <laughs> under my belt and then no i want to go you said you're already looking at portum out do you feel like it is gonna sort of it's just giving you that tick in the box that you needed to be able to free yourself now to be able to go and try and take that win and not that you didn't believe before because obviously you need an incredible amount of self-belief to race at this level but does it just take a little bit of weight off you to now ride a little bit easier
2: i think it gives me a little bit more free range when i'm in that situation of a podium position and not worried about Oh, is this going to happen or is that going to happen because now I've got the podium out of the way um, I always believed I could do it and I would always say in an interview that I can do it but until you do it, everyone's always like oh, you need to back it up so now at least I've backed it up uh, that's always a positive because otherwise you're just known as a, someone that talks all the time <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, I think in the situation of being in a battle I think that will be where it helps me a little bit more If I'm truthfully honest, I think that I should have, looking back at it, finished second because the first half of the race I was there with Tony and all of a sudden I hit a couple of false neutrals and dropped off and then Agura came through. So uh, it's all all in hindsight, but um, yeah, I think now I have a little bit more confidence, I would say, Um, but nothing that I won't approach the weekend any different. Obviously, every weekend I wanted to be on the podium. And I want to win races. So my outlook doesn't change. Um, I'm still going to be doing all the things that I've been doing. And uh, yeah, just looking forward to it now.
1: We've had a question, Jake, in the Twitch chat, I think, from Hacky 789 He says, congrats on your podium. Um, Which is the GP that you feel more ready to win at this year? Is there any track you're looking at um, and thinking, yeah, I can definitely challenge for victory there?
2: Portugal, I think, is a really good one. Obviously, we're going there next, so it's obviously positive. No pressure. Um, no, yeah, it's, <laughs> look, it is what it is. At the end of the day, is I don't think there's any more pressure if I say I'm going to do this at one track or I'm going to do that at another. I think I'm in such a good place with riding and riding the bike that um, it could be any round. It doesn't have hasn't got to be a certain round. Uh, I think it's just when the timing's right, it'll happen. Like with my podium, so. I'm not going to push the situation. If it's there, it's there. If it's not, I'm going to take the best points I can get and uh, keep trying to build on, obviously, building to that win.
0: Well, that's cool. We've got a bit of a left field question now as well, which is how is your relationship with Fabio? Because we know we see you guys (laughs) hanging out and uh, a few bits on screen. I think with uh, Tony Arbolino as well, you guys had a great little celebration have you got kind of a little crew there of slightly crazy in the best way uh, other riders in the paddock that you've uh, ended up friends with? <laughs> yeah, to be fair, Tony, I don't have so much of a relationship with, I wouldn't say,
2: but obviously from through Fabio, Fabio is always saying to me that he's a really nice guy and I believe that. And whenever I see him in the paddock, we always talk. We we, we It's not like we don't have a relationship, but... It's not like I've ever spent time with him outside the trap, but where with Fabio, yeah, he's just um yeah, he's a nightmare
1: <laughs> no, he's a good
2: nightmare, I really like fabio he, do you know what he's one of the most genuine people that you'll ever meet, and if you ever do get to meet him as a fan or as a friend, um he's a super nice guy, and something that um it's obviously nice to have not just because he's fast on track, but also because he is generally a nice guy and so is his family. And, and obviously Tom as well, his helper and his best friend. Um, they're such a nice combination to have. So no, I really like them.
1: It's always nice to have, obviously friends in the paddock, but obviously you're going to be rivals on track. I know you don't race with uh, Fabio. Hopefully you do at some point in the future, but it's nice to have, from the outside looking anyway, it's, it's nice to see you guys having friendships and in. Join yourself and having a laugh because obviously motorcycle racing isn't always glitz and glamour it's not a lot of the time really I know you're sort of superstars in parts of the world and you get to travel over the world but just how tough is coming from the British Championship into Moto2 because I think I think we can safely say it's one of the toughest classes in motorsport Um, so just how tough was life when you first came into the paddock Um, and what's been what's changed the most in the four years you've been here?
2: Yeah, obviously coming from BSB um, to Moto2, 2018 was obviously a great year for me in BSB because I was fighting for the championship. I felt really good on the bike. I felt the the best until that point I'd ever felt on a bike. And uh, I just felt I was constantly growing as a person and I came to Moto2 and obviously the first year we came, uh, we wasn't on the most competitive package. Um, We was on the KTM and as many people know, at that time was a difficult package to be riding. So, yeah, life was definitely slightly different because for me at the time in BSB, I was earning good money. um, And to sacrifice that to come to World Championship to earn nothing is like... (sighs) Oh, I really threw all the chips in and was believing in myself (laughs) a lot. So I had to have it work out. And um, yeah, it's definitely not been easy. I've definitely had uh, a tough three years. Um, The second year, the first year on the Calyx was actually quite good when I got going, but then unfortunately broke my wrist. Um, And then when I came back from that, things didn't quite go the way that I thought they were going to go on the second year with Petronas. Obviously, the team having the big uh, announcement, what Petronas was leaving. Um, I think the atmosphere in the team became a little bit sour. And I think that wasn't good for anybody, not just the riders, but the personnel as well. Um, and I honestly thought at the time it didn't have an effect on me, but I think subconsciously it must have because my results wasn't there. and. Um, yeah, it was just a difficult time, and um, it's a difficult thing for a British rider to come from British Championship to to uh, Moto Two or World Championship in itself. But I think now with Michael Laverty bringing his team in um, and starting mm. this academy, I think it's great for British riders. I think it's something that, looking back, if I could change anything, I wish I'd have had that because when I came, I'd never rode anything GP, so like GP style bike. And uh, I think that's why it's taken me a little bit longer in this paddock to to come to the forefront where others have had the background with Moto3. And I think Moto3 set you up really well for Moto2. So that's my outtake on it anyway.
0: That's pretty interesting. So what are the main differences then with a Grand Prix bike? Because I know Cameron Bobier, I think, said when he switched from the Superbike in METO America that the chassis is just like so unforgiving in METO 2 compared and you just have so much less room for error. Is that kind of a similar comparison that you've made? Like, what are the differences and why is it more difficult to to make that switch?
2: all i can probably refer it to is like if you drive a higher car for instance and you go around the track it will feel like really wallowy it won't handle very well but then you'll get into a go-kart really low to the ground really stiff and every input you put into that car it's really like uh reactive it's the same when you go from superbike to Uh, Moto2 bike that's the difference. Is like the smallest input will be the biggest of difference on a Moto2 bike where almost you can move a lot faster and a lot more on a super bike and it you won't really notice the effect so much
1: we've had another question that it's quite an interesting one I think it's probably is more towards uh, MotoGP but he said how hard is it to um, hide new improvements on the bike from Simon Crafar Or is that more of a MotoGP class problem? Obviously, the Moto2 bikes are pretty much all the same. So, you guys aren't having like aerodynamic changes and stuff like that, are you?
2: No, no, definitely not. And I think, yeah, it's more, that's more in MotoGP. I think it's a lot harder for them to obviously um, hide things, especially in testing. But I think during the season, they're not so worried about it. But during... During the the pre-season testing, I think they're all trying to not show their hand straight away, not wanting to bring out too many items. And it's only from what I see and what I hear. Obviously, knowing Fabio, knowing Frankie, uh, my manager, uh, I I get obviously an insight that other people don't see. But um, yeah, I think once they're into the season, they don't worry so much about it. They just put everything on the table and what you see is what you get with it.
0: That seems to be true enough, doesn't it? But um, it is always an interesting one because I am terrible with tech. I'm literally like, you can pretty much, you could probably put a Moto2 livery on like a Yamaha Superbike and I'd be like, yeah, that's legit, that's a Moto2 bike (laughs) uh, on the wrong day. I'm really bad. It's my one thing where it really embarrasses me. I need to be better (laughs) and it's terrible. Whereas like, if you ask me like for um, something that we're gonna talk about later, the stats that I have from like 2011 Moto2, I'm like, yeah, I'm on that but uh, no with tech I'm terrible <laughs> but um I was going to ask you though what is you have obviously ridden the meta gp bike as well what is the difference then between meta 2 and meta gp because the some of the changes in the regs recently they were trying to put moto 2 more evenly between meta 3 and meta gp what is the step like? is it a bit of a mind blower when you hit full chat on the meta gp bike or for you is it a little bit less extreme because you've not come up from the the little bikes in the grand prix paddock
2: do you know what? It was, I think, a massive shock, actually, to the system because bike is but fifth and sixth gear sort of runs out of steam. It doesn't keep pulling in the way that the MotoGP bike does. Like You open the gas on the MotoGP bike, for instance, going down Hanger Straight, from first gear to sixth gear, the thing does not slow down. And that's what takes your time to figure out how it's gonna how your brains to process it because in Superbike after two laps you feel good and you feel like yeah yeah it's fast but it's it's not ridiculous but moto is like a full session and you're like still oh my god this thing is just trying to rip my arms out and and where it's a seamless gearbox as well is like even makes it even more surreal because it just feels that you're in automatic and it's just one gear for all and I think that's the biggest thing, and that's the biggest thing that I've seemed to like struggle with in the first session. I was like, man, this thing just does not slow down. My brain cannot <laughs> get over the speed of this.
0: Well, I've accidentally asked you the second half of a question we got in the Twitch chat as well without realising, so sorry whoever asked that, that I've replicated, but <laughs> their version starts with, who's faster, you or Danny Buchan? And I think that's an important question.
2: <laughs> That's funny, I'm speaking to Danny on the way here, actually. <laughs> um, do you know what? Actually, in all seriousness, Danny's such a talented rider. But the one thing I feel that lets Danny down is not his attention span, because that does definitely does let him down, but also <laughs> his height. His height being on any bike is a, such a disadvantage. And to do what he does, being as tall as he is, is such a, I think credit to him and the same for leon camia like they're both very similar in a way like they're both really tall riders and i think they have such a disadvantage instantly that if you can win a PSB race being as tall as they are it's um pretty impressive so i don't know i think we're both as fast as each other <laughs>
0: I like how you didn't choose to roast. That's impressive. Good work. (laughs) (laughs) Usually
2: I would roast him, but I'm being diplomatic. I'll give him, I'll I'll let him off this time.
1: (laughs) It's BSB this weekend, of course. You're going to head over or are you just going to watch from the sofa? It's been a busy couple of weeks, so I'm sure you're just going to try and chill out as much as you can.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, (laughs) I want a weekend off. I don't want to spend my life (laughs) at a track every weekend. I think as well for me going to going to BSB, I almost, I enjoy it, but then I don't enjoy it in the same breath that obviously there's many people that I haven't seen in a long time. And whenever I go back, obviously people are wanting to catch up and and, and ask you questions about what you're doing. And sometimes, as bad as it sounds, you, you just want to go there and support your friends, but that's being selfish on my part but I like being at home then I can still speak to them over the phone and also I get to see everything a lot better actually so as a fan I like to watch it from the tv because I see a lot more
0: okay cool good answer I'm also not gonna <laughs> go it's, it's too much it's too much. Um, but, yeah, we'll definitely be watching. Um, and, yeah, so we've had a couple of questions. One of them was about the future of British riders from David Pina, who I think I didn't say his name last time. Obviously, we've got the British Talent Cup now, which is the sole British Moto3 class. Um, and we've got, like you mentioned earlier, Lab's Vision Track Academy with not just the Moto3 team, but also I think they've got British Talent Cup and Mini GP as well. They've got a little ladder going on there. Do you think it's getting better? for kind of young riders in the UK to see a little bit of an easier path or a more traditional path up into the World Championship?
2: It can only help, can't it? I think um, having having all these series to help the young British riders now, um, I definitely think it's going to help. I definitely think it's going to take time because as you see from the Spanish riders and the Italian riders, they've had this platform for such a long time that I think... We almost, as British riders, need to change the way that we ride as well because I think we don't ride and we don't attack the way that the Spanish and Italians do on track. So you see all these videos where the kid's six years old and he's got his elbow down and he's losing the front and he's sliding the rear. There's not many people that are six years old in the UK that are doing this. One, because we haven't got the facilities to do it i.e. the tracks. Um, and two I just think you need also the tutor the right tutors to, to help you do that and to, to to have the faith the riders need to have the faith in the the rider coach that's there at the time to tell them to do that. So I think it's gonna definitely take time. I think um, once once the kids start to ride in the way that the Spanish and Italians are doing, I think that you'll see a lot more British riders in the Grand Prix paddock.
1: It's really good news for um, British fans. Well, you obviously, Race Jake and me and Fran work in the sport, but at heart we are fans and we're obviously British, so it's always nice to see Brits doing well in the World Championship. Of course, we've not got anyone in MotoGP. Um, hopefully that changes soon. So, yeah, it's, it's great to have Michael Laverty and Vision Chat Racing and all the guys that help them out to create this sort of ladder towards the championship because we have we have been missing it you say they're the likes of Italy and Spain have had it um for a long time so it's it's really good news um talking of MotoGP I'm sure a lot of fans are wanting to know um are you ready for MotoGP next year one as Ken pick in the chat I'm sure you're going to say yes because obviously you probably do feel like you're ready for MotoGP um but how how do you see that going in the future? Obviously, it's going to be a, a dream for you, isn't it? And you had the couple of races last year. Um, yeah, what's what's your feelings?
2: To be fair, I think look, I I would I will only ever go to MotoGP if the timing's right for me, and also if I have a good um, package underneath me. Because look, I don't want to be one of these people that you go and I know all the bikes are great now, but unless you go with the right package fully underneath you, I think it's super difficult um, to make a big impact straight away. And I wouldn't want to just go and make up the numbers straight away and and then build my way into it like I have done with Moto2 because I feel on a MotoGP bike, I have more of a scope to, to, to do even better than I'm doing now because naturally I think my style of riding is more towards the big bike as you see, when I rode the MotoGP bike second weekend, I think I was only 1.1, I think, from Bang Yai, who was on pole position. I think the rookies this year, I think even after however many days of testing, were were a similar pace away than what I was. So I felt I'd done a really good job in, in that aspect. Obviously, riding the Yamaha was great. It's a very forgiving bike. And I know some other riders are on different manufacturers, but may take a little bit more time. So, yeah, it needs to be right. I will only go if it is right. And uh, first of all, my main focus is to to win races this year, and I want to win the championship. I'm now seventh and only thirty eight points off the top. It's not a lot. We have seventeen races left, I think. And um, I think so, yeah, yeah it it's something that. Um, that I'm not too focused on right now. But like I say, if the right opportunity is there, yeah, obviously I'll have the discussions and see if it's the the right thing for me.
0: Okay, that's cool. We have another shorter question from Sunny Kim. What would you most like to race other than motorcycles? Could you ever see yourself doing a bit of a Valentino when... uh taking on four-wheeled racing or i'm trying to think what races other than motorcycles greyhounds but then you don't really ride them
1: <laughs> not many other options you definitely don't ride greyhounds. No, you just you, do, <laughs> you
2: just you just bet on greyhounds you don't ride greyhounds that's a bit weird i don't know what you're doing in your spare time but if you're riding grounds it's wrong <laughs> no i i think um cats out yeah, the bag I'm now obsessed yeah definitely i'm obsessed (laughs) with um formula one i'm absolutely obsessed with it um i love the the strategy from it i love the the i just love everything about it i think i don't know if i'd ever get the opportunity to drive a formula one (laughs) car but if i was going to do anything else i think formula one i would definitely love to do i think it's something that interests me a lot um, and yeah, I would definitely like to have a go at a bit of car racing. I think once I finish bike racing, I think Sarah would be saying, No, you're not doing any more racing, you're finished. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I can see that. That's interesting, then, because I feel like a lot of bike fans sometimes got a bit of a chip on their shoulder about F1. It's like, Oh no, well, MotoGP is better, or this is better. It's like, I've never seen it as a competition because they are pretty different, aren't they? Like you say, strategy and F1, it's like an hour and 40 minutes and you've got pit stops, you've mm-hmm. got tyre changes, you've got everything else. But that's cool that you're such a fan of it. What, when did you kind of get into it and how have you kind of, I don't know, do you ever see that kind of feeling and think just like, no, they're both great, everyone enjoy it?
2: No, honestly, I understand what you're saying, but the, the two polar opposites... We're both at the pinnacle of of our uh, sports, i.e., MotoGP and Formula One. But you couldn't get two different sports as well because Formula One is very, very celebrity based as well. If you look at it from the outside, all the celebrities want to go to Formula One, as they do MotoGP, but more so you see a lot of the top end athlete, uh, top end stars that are always at Formula One, aren't they? Because it is. It's not just racing; it's a statement piece. It's like go to Formula One. It's like it's the glitz of the glamour. It's the it's the everything. Um, and I, I like that side of things, but also I like the rawness of my OGP, And I think it's becoming a little bit more like Formula One, but I don't think it'll ever get to to that because I think. It's too raw. I think it doesn't need to go that way. I think MotoGP needs to stay in its path that it's doing, and I think that's what people love about it. It's unique. It's so different, and um, yeah, I think it's Formula One's a show where MotoGP is like you go there for the rawness, and I think that that's the two differences. But I like also Formula One because I drive I drive my simulator a lot. And I have a car simulator and it's ridiculous. I love it. And I spend so much time on it that I generally think I could be quite good at it. (laughs) But, um, I drive a lot with the, uh, e-sport drivers on sim racing. And I think that, uh, I'm sometimes not too far away from them. So, and they, they spend their whole life on it and I always give them I give them some. Uh, I give them some rubbish about it, and uh, yeah, they don't like it because I can just hop on and do that, but they can't just hop <laughs> on my bike and do what I do. <laughs> Sounds
0: like favorite, what Jake? you just said you was absolutely in incredible. Oh, sorry, but my headphones went off. I'm back now. Yeah, a little everyone, please as, everyone as you were. All that. Like yeah, Elliot said, who's your favourite? Who are you now? back in this year?
2: <laughs> um. Backing in what are we talking about? Formula One or MotoGP? Well,
1: we so, can do both. Let's start with Formula One, though.
2: Uh, Lewis Hamilton. Oh, I'm like such a diehard fan for Lewis Hamilton. And I know Lewis Hamilton generally gets a lot of flack for his style, his the outness there. But I love that. I think he's so real. But I think people don't like the realness from him. And... I think it scares people that people are so real. I just think that um, a lot of people can learn a lot of stuff from him. He's, he's not had it easy. Um, he's uh, done a lot for the sport with the, the whole racial side of things. I think what he's done for the sport on there, that side is fantastic. I think it needs to, to be done more. Um, and I think he's such an icon. I think for me, he is the best. You can only see, even with the car he hasn't got this year, he's still perf- outperforming his teammate. And he just, yeah, I think people just always try and knock down the people that are the best.
0: I enjoyed oh, that little MotoGP. Lewis Hamilton fan show there. And meta GP, please, yeah. yeah. And now and I am you going to be like, Fabio. <laughs> uh, no, I'm going to say Alaysha Spargo. No, I'm joking.
2: <laughs> I like <laughs> Alaysha as well. I'm a big <laughs> fan of Alisha. Um but also yeah obviously i've got a back my mate evan I fabio does wonders on that yamaha so and he's an, he's actually he's awesome to watch and he's a breath of fresh air
0: cool good answers right i think we should probably let you go now because uh, technically i asked <laughs> for like 20 25 minutes and we've now had 32 of those minutes of your time and i know you'll obviously need How long's to the show just go on let for? yourself I mean, we're going to sit here for another four or five hours, but obviously, you know, you don't have to stay for the whole thing. <laughs> no, we're just going to talk a little bit about the, uh, the where were we? America's GP uh, in a minute. And then we're going to wrap up and uh, we're also going to do a poll. In fact, we can ask you the poll first, if you remember them. Because guys in the mm-hmm. chat, the poll this week is going to be, what is your favorite Mark Marquez comeback? And I think the options that I put were 125 Zestoril 2010. We had the 2011 Moto2 at Phillip Island. We had, Mm -hmm. what else did we have? The Valencia Moto2 2012 from the back. Mm -hmm. Then we had, did we leave Assen in there 2021 last year when he was like 20th on the grid? And then Kota this year. What would you go for? Do you remember all of those?
2: I do actually. Estoril was one that's like there was only about 10 riders on the track so at the time it was (laughs) a little bit different wasn't it because it was coming to the end of 125s but I think his best one for sure is Valencia. I think Valencia Moto 2 was impressive. (laughs) That track is super difficult in the wet and no one understands unless you ride that track. It is like an ice ring. So to do what he did, I dunno, he's just, he's just a legend, isn't he? Just the Who <laughs> has a crash right at 120 mile an hour high side, smashes himself to absolute smithereens and comes back and goes top in FP1? Or at, at one point in that session, he was top. I generally think the guy is not human. Like <laughs> Mark Marquez, take a bow.
0: That is no, it's true. Okay, that's that's controversial, but I'll take it because I was thinking Valencia is maybe a little bit less impressive because it's wet, and therefore there were a few more dramas for other people. But I've been corrected by a man who's ridden it in the wet. You definitely never rode a bike, (laughs) absolutely. I mean, I have ridden many, many Derbyshire back roads. On a 125 without a greyhound as well. Get but it. I've definitely. Yeah, the greyhound, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But uh, I've never, never done the circuit Ricardo Tomo on a Grand Prix back in the wet, fair play. So, uh, okay, cool. We'll take that. So, out my, my OGP, then.
2: If you are listening, can we get Fran on a MotoGP bike or my 2 <laughs> bike in the wet around Valencia? if any teams are open to it probably not because there'll be a lot of just to damage, make so. me eat
0: my words. thanks <laughs> yeah. appreciate it I'll, uh, I'll, I'll i'll try my best really but not. i really don't think we're gonna have too many takers on that one um right okay so yeah jake we'll let you go thank you so much for your time it was a pleasure as always and uh yeah no we will see you in portamao you said you're gonna win it no pressure just jokes I uh, hope you have another great <laughs> week and uh Thanks very much for your time. Ciao, Thank ciao. Thank you very much, Jake. guys.
2: Love you and leave you. Enjoy your
0: weekend off. <laughs> yeah, well, have a good yes, one. Yes, <laughs> I'm going to. <laughs> See you later. Bye. Bye. See you later. <coughs> so there we go. The inimitable Jake Dixon. Sorry, I just coughed with the mic. <laughs> I didn't have time to mute it. Uh, so what do we think then? Should we go to our poll and what we think are the uh, best options at the moment before we get the viewers um ideas opinions that's the word what do you think elliot what's your marquez comeback of choice
1: good question i mean i, I like the Kota's way you seem next,
0: unprepared even though you know that this is the poll for today <laughs> no because I've, I've been been—I've been trying <laughs> to think game. about it
1: and it's it's a difficult one isn't it I, I do think kota last weekend is up there given the circumstances i know he's awesome at kota um but coming back after his crash in Indonesia, the Diplopia, like, yeah. I think um, Kota's up there for sure. I think, what what was the other one we said before we were on air? Um, I know my favourite is, oh, yeah, my favourite was yeah. the
0: 2011 Phillip Island. Um, yeah. Because back then the grid was so massive that back of the grid was 38th position. Um, and it was kind of, you know, his own fault, so to speak, because it was a penalty from practice uh, for crashing into. I think it was Rattapak Willerott, get the right Willerott. Um So he <laughs> started from the back um, because I think he had like a minute added on to his qualifying lap or something. It was a bit more creative, that penalty back then, rather than just back of the grid. Um, but yeah, I think it's... It's amazing because it is in the dry and he genuinely just passes everyone in between him and the podium. Uh, and obviously, it's a year as a Moto2 rookie fighting Stefan Bradall for that crown. And uh, yeah, when, when you see Stefan Bradall turn around in Park Ferme who he went on to win the race, um, great job from him. But then he turns out the number 93 pulls into third place. <laughs> Your heart must just drop when you're like, how yeah. have you done this? But uh, I thought that was a good one. But Kota was pretty impressive wasn't it and uh yeah i think it was all the more interesting because it is a place where i mean it looks like on pace he did have the ability to win that race if that hiccup hadn't happened at the start that technical problem but it's also with all of the context of injury not just this one but he's now had three times he's sat at home and had to recover with the arm obviously with that big crash then with the diplopia in winter that sidelined him from the last two races then again to just be able to even come back and like jake said like come back and then be immediately so quick in fp1 never mind yeah that sunday i don't know i i always wonder like were him and his team going into that race thinking without showing their cards okay we really can win this Or were they genuinely just going there and thinking, okay, we're going to try and keep it calm, et cetera, et cetera. And then how does your mindset change when now you're pushed to the back and it's like, okay, well, I've got to be Mark Marquez right now (laughs) or I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) It's just a fascinating one, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I definitely think coming into the weekend, he and his team thought they could win i mean mark doesn't show up to races and not think he's going to win i know he doesn't say that in the press conferences he's very diplomatic and saying that see how they go on friday but i firmly believe that he goes into every race weekend believing he can win i mean he's an eight-time world champion arguably the best ever so if he's at a gp race i think you can never count him out the one thing which was disappointing about the him dropping to 24th was not being able to see if he could have beat Bastianini. Cause I think that would have been a really, really cool, um cool battle. And we've not seen them battle yet. So that's the that's only true. disappointing thing. Yeah, that would thing. have been
0: interesting. I think as well, I did look um, before the press conference, I did a little bit of very quick research to just double check that obviously there've been improvements and everything else on bikes. The track had been partly resurfaced etc etc I was like I'm just going to check this is the fastest ever MotoGP race at Kota and I don't think I checked 2013 but I went back quite a few and certainly Mark's win last year Bastianini was a quite a chunk of time quicker already just a few months later. Obviously, it's not been the whole season. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It would have been an interesting one, wouldn't it? And like you said, we've not seen yeah. Bastianini Marquez yet. We've seen Banyaya Marquez, two very different styles, but we're waiting on the other uh, new Italian <laughs> wonder to take him on. We do have the results from the poll, though, and the guys in our Twitch chat think that it was the 1-2-5 race at Estoril. So, Jake Dixon overruled. But uh, no, 50% yeah, sorry, then going yeah, for yeah. that. It's pretty good, isn't it?
1: I think, yeah, it's fair enough. They, he crashed on the the second sighting lap. The race got red flagged in it. And then he crashed on the sighting lap. And I think just because it was like title drama and the guys having to fix the bike as quick as possible, just getting back out. He was up to like fourth at the first corner, wasn't he? I think or something like that. He'd gone from the back. It was of the something ridiculous. Fourth straight away um so yeah i mean it's, it's fair enough it was a was a very good one it's just cool that we've got loads to choose from Having he's uh yeah not human not not human um as jake dixon rightly put it, it's cool to hear that from jake who's obviously a rider as well like obviously as uh fans look at mark it was look at all greyhound them, fair, riders I <laughs> yeah <laughs> and think like how on earth are you Doing what you're doing on a bike, especially when you go see it live, the TV doesn't normally quite do it justice. Um, because when you see these guys live, it's just like, Phew. yeah, no, thank you. I couldn't ever wish to do that. <laughs> um, but when it's like Jake Dixon, a Moto2 podium finisher, saying, like, how does he do that? It's uh, just go to show just how special he is, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, it does for sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just like I'm in awe of all of them. But um, yeah, Marquez yeah. just sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. brings that really extra special bit of gold dust. It's like, how are you even making this possible? Um, because yeah. I mean, we, some of us on site were like, we still think he might be able to win this. And it was only mm-hmm. once. Was it who was it with Fabio? It was Zarco, wasn't it? It was Zarco and Quateraro. And then just bridging that extra gap, I think he's just ran out of steam a little bit there. But obviously, you know, like he said, when he went into the weekend, he definitely wasn't, you know, the Marquez that won, you know, previous cotas at absolute full power, full speed, arriving in the best possible shape. So, uh, you know, I'm <laughs> I just think it was amazing that he managed to get up to where he did. And within sight of the podium, for sure. But um, let's talk about the podium then. The one we've already mentioned that we, of course, should talk about again is The Beast. Back on top. First ever Ducati win at Kota. He's done it again. I tried to ask him in the press conference, does this feel like a statement for you that it's not, you know, Qatar where it's often a Ducati track and on that night everything came together and like here you are back on the top step again. But he was just like, you know, didn't give the most specific answer. So, uh, what do we think? I think it's a really impressive statement from, from Bastianini to have won again.
1: Completely agree, yeah. I think, um, obviously, winning Qatar, which was great to see, um, but it is Qatar, and Ducati always go well at Qatar. So, you're like, okay, well, we need to see him do it at a track that Ducati aren't famously not not good at, but not great at. It was their first win at Cote. I mean, I know Mark's dominated there for... Uh, the last nine, ten years. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's an absolute magician at saving the rear tyre, isn't he? I think it speaks volumes when Jack Miller was saying it's just all down to a basically. Like how he can save the rear tyre and just, yeah, use it in the last however many laps and just sort of make it look easy. Um, he's a genuine title contender, isn't he? I, think, I don't think there's any arguments now the way you can say he isn't because... Of course, he's leading the championship. He's won two races. He's on a bike that we know works. Um, Yeah, awesome. He is awesome. Um, It was awesome. And obviously, next up is Portimao, where Pekka won the GP21, the bike. A is riding, um, finished second and first last year. So if he goes to Portimao and takes victory, then I think uh, people are going to start getting... Uh, a bit worried about him
0: i think they will i think personally suzuki will be an interesting one at portamao because they've so far i think been pretty much the only consistent performers sometimes that's been consistently fifth sixth seventh not on the podium where they would have wanted to be until rins has uh, kicked them into gear but they've kind of had a similar level of performance. Like we've seen KTM go from second in Qatar, that win in the wet, a little bit different, you know, a lot of Oliveira magic there it was a little bit more rider based in that race in uh, Indonesia, but we've seen KTM go from second in Qatar to then struggling so much at Kota. Um, but Suzuki have stayed in that ballpark and just moving a little bit more forward. Uh, and we've seen those guys have some incredible speed at Portimao before. So I think that will be an interesting one. And of course, it will be very interesting to see what happens with Quattro and the Yamaha struggling a little bit more at Kota. still got a whole ton of daylight between him and the other Yamaha riders for the moment, obviously getting really maximising that bike, but we have seen him with some incredible speed at Portimao, so I think that'll be one to watch as well as we go back to Europe.
1: Yeah, the European leg's always fascinating, isn't it, because it's sort of sort of shapes the championship, doesn't it? We've had the four flyaway races where it's been very mixed up and down when we've had, um, like you say, KTM going really well and then having a bit of a nightmare in Cota. Um So yeah, I think the next few races are going to really define how the championship looks, I think. Um, and yeah, for Fabio and Yamaha, it's crucial that Places like Portimao, Jaref, Le Mans, where he's gone good at in the past, Assen, these sort of races, if he's not finishing on the podium or winning them, then it's going to be a little bit of a worry and he's going to start losing touch. He's done well and, like you say, he's getting the best and probably a little bit more out of the package. He's fifth in the championship, 17 points away from an I think. And is obviously won two races like and Fabio's only got... Um, one podium, and it's the same for Joao. Mir, he's not got a podium yet, but he's only 15 points away from there, so the thing that they're doing, even though they've, well, Fabio's got one podium, Mir's not, is just being consistent, and I think top fives, top sixes, even top eights and tens nowadays is a lot different than what it was five, six years ago, if you were finishing inside the top five, because everyone's so close now. So, yeah, I think the next few races are going to be title-defining. Not We're not going to know who's obviously going to win the championship, but I think we're going to get a better idea of who's going to be up there all season long because obviously it's tracks that everyone knows. Um, so, yeah, interesting few weeks coming up for sure.
0: I think it will be indeed. And we don't yet know who will be joining us on the post-Portom episode, but once we do, we'll try and update across social media to let everyone know. Thank you guys who are watching for watching and listening at the same time. Hope you enjoyed our little chat with Jake. Hope it wasn't too British for you uh, and just (laughs) the right amount. Uh, And to everyone listening as well, thanks so much for downloading, listening, subscribing, hopefully hit the button. Uh, Let us know any thoughts with the hashtag MotoGP podcast if you're getting in touch after we've been live on Twitch. And if you do want to join us in future when you're listening in audio now and think, oh, I've missed out, I could have been on the live chat please do join us. Uh, it's just GPS channel on Twitch. Super easy to find. Put in the magic word, press enter, and you'll find us. Thanks very much. I think that's all from us for now. Elliot, any final thoughts or just uh, howdy, cheerio?
1: <laughs> howdy, cheerio. Yeah, I mean, just looking forward to a weekend off. I think we all need it, don't we, after Argentina and America. Um, and yeah, have a bit of rest. And then straight into europe and like i say a good good few weeks coming up and it's going to be really interesting to see uh what happens um but yeah cheers guys and uh, we'll see you next time i think and fran enjoy your uh, greyhound racing this weekend
0: thank you i will <laughs> i'll get on it i'm in the north so let's go <laughs> thanks guys and see you again soon after portamao
1: cheers guys